Those of you who preach know this conundrum sometimes. You think, oh, I could do that, or I could do oh, There's a new thing that's stirring me, this or that. And uh, I just felt God remind me of some of the values that he's put into our hearts as New Frontiers, Christ Central are part of New Frontiers. And I just want to kind of highlight those values. In fact, I felt God really brought them afresh to me. I've been speaking some of these things to some leaders recently, but actually I'm just going to change it and, and kind of apply it to us a little bit here in Sheffield because I felt God really spoke to me about it. Now, kids, are you with me? Obviously not, then. <laughs> so, kids, are you with me? Thank you. Um, all of these values, and it, something we value is something precious. So it's something precious to us. We value it. Something that's important to us. And all of these values begin with one capital letter. And I'll let you know what it is. It's the capital letter F. And there are six values, six letters, six, six words beginning with F. And if you, some of you have a drawing. If you're drawing a picture, you might want to represent those six values in picture form. And Anne has got four little prizes that she will distribute at her judgment at the end for the most innovative interpretation of these six letters beginning with F. It's not open to adults, all right? So sorry. And it's Chris Marriott there getting his pen and paper out trying to do it. No, it's not for you, Chris. It's, it's just for the children. So what's fascinating to me is that all of these values actually have been referred to this morning. And the first value is this. The first value that I want us to just remember, and it's interesting, you've been going through, we've been going through a season of re-looking at City Church's values, what we believe here, who we are together as we start to form these new life groups as it's kind of sign up Sunday for life groups this week. And the first value is this that I felt God put on my heart, to remind ourselves that we really are friends. And it was just wonderful to hear somebody pray out from the balcony, I don't know who, because I couldn't see who it was, and as Nazi was being baptised, someone was praying out, hey Nazi, don't, don't forget, we're your friends, you know our phone numbers, you know our address, you know where we live, kind of sounds a bit scary, doesn't it, you know our phone numbers, you know where we live, and, uh, but we're your friends, don't forget, it. we're friends, and it's really important that that is first and foremost who we are together. We're friends. It's when we looked at the values of Christ Central Churches, the part of New Frontiers that we belong to, we said our very first distinctive, our very first value is we're, we're being friends. We're friends who enjoy God together. Because that's what God has done. He's brought us into a relationship of friendship. You see, Jesus, when he called his disciples and Jesus called them, he chose them. He chose them by name. And, you know, you've been chosen by name. Jesus named you and called you to himself. And this is what he says to his disciples. He says this in John chapter 15, verse 15. I don't call you servants. Actually, I call you friends. For everything I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. And I want you to remember that right at the beginning here that you are a friend of God. Uh, kids, sometimes it's, you know, I remember being at school and sometimes people kind of vie for friendship. Oh, will you be my bezzy? Will you be my best friend? And sometimes friends fall out. Sometimes you feel lonely. Sometimes you feel, I've been through stages of life where I feel I haven't got any friends. And maybe that's you today. 
God wants you to know this. First and foremost, you are the friend of God. Jesus has chosen you, and he's chosen you to be his friend. He's chosen you to be close. He's chosen you to reveal something of the Father's love and goodness and mercy. Now, the amazing thing is that Jesus chose those he wanted. It says that in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. He chose those he wanted to be with him. Listen, this is the good news. God chose you because he loved you. He chose you because he wanted you. It's not, oh, well, I'd better choose a whole load of humanity and I'll scoop a big lump of humanity up, you know, because I said I'd choose a few. And Oh, no, there's Stuart Bergen in there. Well, you know, I... I kind of said, I kind of said, I'd, you know, I'd love them and choose them. Oh well, I, I, he got in the scoop. It's like you know when you fish and you have a nice few fish and you get a few, you know, oddities in there as well. And well, you know, no, Stuart, you are loved and called and chosen by God. He set his affection on you. Why? Because he loves you. And he's for you. And that's true for every one of you. It's true for you kids as well. If you know Jesus, if you know a relationship, it's because he's called you by name. He knows your name. I forget, I forget names. I keep saying to Sarah, to, not Sarah, I get Rachel. I can say to Sarah, so I can say to her, just remember, who's that one? Who's that one? Who's that one? And most of the time she knows, which is kind of encouraging. Occasionally she forgets as well. We forget names. God doesn't forget your name. He knows your name. He's called you by name. You are the friends of God. Now, the wonderful thing about that is we're not just friends of God, but we are friends together. That God has called us into relationship together. Out of his grace, out of his goodness, out of his mercy, he's not left us isolated. He's not left us independent. He's not left us alone. He actually calls us in relationship together. And I, Anne and I can honestly say, although we live in Manchester, we haven't been able to move, that didn't work out for us. Although we can't class this as our home church, we're here as often as we can be, usually about once a month. There's many of you here that we know and class as dear friends. And it's out of relationship. It's not just, oh, we go to that church. No, we're friends together. That God has called us to work as friends. He's called us to live as friends. He's called us to be friends together. Friends of, first of all, of God, but then friends with one another. And I just want to say, as I finish this first point, friendship is really, really attractive. The world is looking for friendship. The world is looking for relationship. They look for it in all the wrong places, like Nazi said earlier, drink and relationships and partying. But they're looking for friendship. They're looking for relationship. They're looking to belong. They're looking to be part of, a, part of something. And the amazing thing is, actually, our friendship is very attractive to the world. As you start these new life groups... I want you to know that those relationships, those friendships you've got together are going to be really attractive to other people. People are going to want to be part of these relationships. Because actually Jesus said this in John chapter 13 and verse 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So if we love one another, if there's friendship, if there's love, if there's care, if there's community, if there's a sense of belonging, if there's a sense of we're friends together, we don't just go to church, we don't just belong to a club, we're friends together, we actually like one another. The Bible says that will be a wonderful demonstration, it will be attractive to the world. The world will know that we love Jesus because we love one another and it will be attractive. The second value 
is this. And again, this came out so much this morning. It begins with F, family. See? We're not... They say you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, God has chosen our family for us. We are his family. It's interesting, uh, I try and read through uh, parts of the Bible each year. And this morning, my reading was John chapter 20. It's the resurrection of Jesus. It was a week late. I don't know why it was a week late, but my reading today was John 20. And the commentator that I was reading, he makes this point. Everything changes with the resurrection. Not just Jesus is alive and there's new possibilities, but actually we have new relationship with God. And when Jesus appears to Mary, I'd never quite seen this before, when Jesus appears to Mary in the garden, like she says, uh, excuse me, do you know where they've laid my Lord? And she gets confused, he's the gardener. And actually he is the gardener because he's like the the new man, the new Adam, the one who's going to garden the whole thing, the one who's going to bring restoration to the whole world. It's kind of an amazing little, uh, little illusion there. But she said, where? No. And then suddenly her eyes are open. He, he says, Mary, relationship, master, Rabboni. And he says, now go and tell my brothers. It's interesting. He calls them brothers. He says this in John 20, verse 17. Go to my brothers and tell them. I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. Suddenly, everything changes. Because of the resurrection, we're now the family of God. We become family, not just friends, but family together. And actually, it's important, all the biblical language right through the New Testament, it changes into family language. And it's really important that we celebrate this, that we are a family together. We're diverse, different ages, different stages of life, different abilities, different disabilities, different educational backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different colours of skin, different places. But we're family together. God has united us and called us to be family. Let me just illustrate this from some of the words that are used in the Bible. So evangelism in the Bible, telling people about Jesus, is not sign up or recruitment. It's new birth. It's being born into a family. That's who we've been born into, the family of God. God is our father now. Jesus says, go and say, my brothers. Jesus is our brother. And we are brothers and sisters together. See, that's the relationship It's not colleagues or co-workers or just in some club together, kind of comrades in arms. But actually, we really are a household together. We're siblings. We're brothers and sisters together. Brothers and sisters fight sometimes, don't they? Brothers and sisters fall out. Kids, you know you, you know that with your brothers and sisters. Sometimes there's a bit of squabbling. Sometimes there's a bit of fighting. But we love one another and we sort it out. And that's why the Bible says sort out your relationships. Why? Because you're the family of God together. Discipleship in the Bible is not orientation training. It's not, well, now you've joined this group You've got to know what they believe. You've got to know the training. You've got to know the orientation. You know, there's the manual. There's, you've got to learn the rules. You've got to learn the book. No, it's actually about parenting and relationships and learning to be community and family together. The government of this new community isn't managers or leaders. It's mothers and fathers. That's the language that the New Testament uses. And the church, us, 
We're not just an organisation. We're an organism. We're a family together on a mission. And it was just so wonderful, wasn't it, to see Nazi getting baptised this morning and just to see the family around and just a sense that she's been born into, drawn into, saved into, part of now a brand new family. And that's just wonderful. We need to celebrate that. We're friends. We're family. The next word I'll leave to my wife. So the next F is faith. In Hebrews 11, as many of us know, we find a comprehensive list of the heroes of our faith. Their stories are amazing, and I'm not sure whether many of us would cope with the challenges they faced. So I just wonder, even thinking about those challenges and knowing that they were so difficult for them, but what about the challenges that God puts before us? Have we become too comfortable and too safe? I was very encouraged with Gavin's contribution and Cass' contributions this morning. It just helps go ahead of what I want to share this morning about us taking risks. Last year at our leaders' gathering, we had a guest speaker called Jared Cooper. And he leads a church, not a New Frontiers church, in Hull. And he said this, when things get comfortable, do something exciting. Tie yourself to the bowsprit and don't hide in the bunk. As you would see that is a, a sailing boat and at the front of the boat is a, is a long pole. And you'll see that I think there's a gentleman hanging on for dear life there. That is the bowsprit, the pole out the back front of a sailing boat. And what he's saying here is, I'll start again with that quote, when things get comfortable, do something exciting. Tie yourself to the bowsprit and don't hide in the bunk. Kids, can you see that picture? I hope you can. It's a difficult with this lighting, most probably. Jared, he goes on to say, it's the same journey, but a different experience. Leaning in or leaning back. Tying ourselves to the bowsprit makes the journey much more exciting and risky rather than hiding in the bunk. I think in the cabin would be in our language. So, which way are we leaning? How we position ourselves makes all the difference to the journey. Now, many of you will have faith stories. Jeremy and I have our own faith stories. And I'd just like to just hearken back to some of our stories. 30 years ago, we were living in Hastings on the south coast. And I was a senior teacher in a secondary school and earning double Jeremy's salary. Not Interest enough. rates on our mortgage were between 12 and 18%. I wonder how many people remember those days. And we were living in faith, though, that God had spoken. And we were sure of his provision. We were prepared to lean in. Then 20 years ago, when we were helping to lead the church in Eastbourne, we were called to the glorious northeast of England. And again, that was through various prophetic encouragements. And we knew that God was calling us to take that risk and move up to the northeast to Teesside. 
Many friends ridiculed us for doing so because Southerners don't appreciate what it's like to live up here in the glorious North. And we came up and uh, it was lonely because there weren't many New Frontiers churches up in this part of the UK. And we were leaving comfortable Eastbourne to move to industrial northeast Teesside. But despite that, God blessed us. And in the first five years, we saw over 100 people saved and added to our church. Many of you will know the story about Abraham and Sarah. And they were the pioneers of their time. And again, I think many of us can identify with their story. At Devoted last year, Lee Yarbrough spoke brilliantly about being called on an adventure like Abraham and Sarah, living in tents, being mobile, not too fixed or comfortable. In Genesis 12, God said to Abraham and Sarah, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now, the commentary in the Life Application Bible says this. Abraham obeyed, walking away from his home and friends for God's promise of even greater blessings in the future. God may be leading you to a place of greater service and usefulness for him. So don't let the comfort and security of your present position make you miss God's plan for you. And that, I do want to emphasize that. We get very comfortable in this first world, 21st century people. We are a very comfortable people and we settle. Where, and I think God wants to challenge many of us in this room. And then nine years ago, we moved from Teesside to Manchester and again, we just look back at God's faithfulness in our preparedness to move and daring to lean forward in faith, to be mobile, leaving a wonderful, thriving church and our, those of you who know me, our dream home in the beautiful countryside of North Yorkshire. There are sacrifices, leaving friends, leaving family, moving from one part of the country to another or to different nations financial sacrifices, and the list can go on. There's a little sort of word equation which I often use. Sacrifice plus obedience equals blessing. Abraham and Sarah made the sacrifice and were obedient, and God blessed them. Being obedient to God is costly. It's risky. It's challenging. But when God has spoken, we have to rely on his timing and his ways and not ours. Faith is a muscle that grows by stretching. One of the ways you increase your faith is by doing something God asks you to do. It's how we position ourselves in faith that matters. Are we leaning forward? We're friends, we're family. We're people of faith. What's God speaking to you about? Maybe you've 
been inspired by some things you've heard recently and God's asking you to step out into something new. Maybe as we start these new life groups, maybe there's something new for you to step out into. Maybe it's some new exploit as we were hearing this morning just of some brave lady stepping out and singing publicly. Maybe God's calling you to do an exploit of faith. Maybe some of you have been called to move somewhere and maybe God's calling, he's calling us to expand as a church, isn't he? He's calling us to uh, press into the south of Sheffield and the area and what maybe some of God's speaking to some of you about that maybe he's speaking to you about new community new neighborhood something new that we're a people of faith and it brings us to the fourth one that actually we're going to be a people of fruitfulness see what I did there people of fruitfulness that God is calling us and this is where I feel specifically God spoke to me as I was out walking for us here in Sheffield God reminded me of there's a scripture that has been very precious to us. It's actually in Genesis, and it's where Jacob, who is Abraham's grandchild, where Jacob is prophesying to his son, Joseph. And some of you have heard me speak on this before, but I felt God just remind me of this for us here in Sheffield. And he says this in Genesis chapter 49, verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful vine. Planted near a spring, a bubbling spring, whose branches climb over the wall. And I feel God would want to say to us here that I am writing, because you're, a, because you're friends in relationship together, because we're being built as a family, because we're a people of faith willing to step out, willing to live on the bowsprit, willing to move for him, willing to step out into new adventures, Actually, because of that, God is going to promise us fruitfulness. Joseph is a fruitful vine. The last time I preached here, I think it was back in October, and I preached out of Isaiah 54 about expanding, enlarging the place of your tent and for you to step up and take your place in that. God is calling us as a church that we are going to be fruitful just like God's people have been fruitful down through the ages. So God often uses the picture of a fruitful vine for his people. In fact, he said, Israel, I've chosen you like a fruitful vine. I've call, I'm calling you to bear fruit in the nations. But it then goes on to say, but because of your faithlessness, Israel, because you didn't follow me, it's like you've been pruned back. But actually, God says, from that stump, from that pruning back, actually, I'm going to produce a new shoot. And we often read these verses at Christmas. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, David's family. And from his root, a new branch will bear fruit. And Jesus himself, from the root of Jesse, from the house of David, from Bethlehem, David's city, Jesus comes saying, I am the new vine. I'm the true vine. I am the, the fulfillment of that prophecy. I'm going to be the one who's going to be fruitful in all of the earth. And guess what? I call you, I choose you to be part of the vine. It says this in John 15 verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. And I just feel God wants to underline for us here in Sheffield this morning, if you're a Christian, you have been added into, 
chosen into, placed into, planted into, grafted into the vine. You are now in Christ. That's the glory of who we are as Christians. We're not independent. We're not isolated. We're not on our own anymore. We've been joined into friends, family, a people of faith to be fruitful. And we're joined into the vine. We're joined into Jesus. And I just want you to remember that this morning. Kids, I want you to remember that, that you're not just part of your natural family. You're not just your surname, that's your natural family. But actually, if you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus, actually, you're part of Jesus' bigger family. He's your brother. Jesus' father is your father. And actually, he's called you for fruitfulness. He's called you to bear fruit. He's chosen you, and he's placed you into himself. So you're now in Christ. In fact, that's Paul's favourite definition of a Christian. What is a Christian? Someone who believes these certain things, someone who follows Jesus. Somebody, Paul says a Christian is someone who's in Christ, someone who's joined to Jesus, someone who's incorporated in to him. You're not separate from Jesus. You're not isolated. You're in Christ. You're joined. You're placed right into Jesus this morning. And the glory of that is that you get Jesus' fruitfulness. Not your fruitfulness, not your hard work. See, a branch doesn't do a huge amount of effort. You know, I'll try really hard and see if I can pop out a grape. Oh, there's the one. Look how clear. No, a branch, because it's connected into the vine, because it's joined into the vine, it is drawing up all the goodness and the nutrients and the, the, the wonderful things because it's in the vine. And because of that, it becomes fruitful. Because you're placed into Jesus, because you're drawing up from him life, the life of the Spirit, the life of God, that life is in you, God is going to promise you fruitfulness. See, all that's true of the branch is true of the vine, and all that's true of the vine is true of the branch. See, you're placed into Jesus, you're incorporated into Jesus, you're joined into Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Are you secure as a Christian this morning? And you go, oh, I hope I am. I think I've been good this week. I didn't ask you about your performance. I asked you about your security. You see, you're secure as a Christian because you've been placed into Jesus Christ. And he is secure forever. He reigns forever as the king over the house. And you're in him, therefore your security is assured. You're secure forever. Are you peaceful this morning? Oh, oh, I don't feel very peaceful. I've got some difficult circumstances. I didn't ask you whether you felt peaceful. Peaceful isn't a feeling, it's a state. A nation at peace, it's not about feelings, it's about fact. The truth is this, we've been placed into Jesus. We've been placed into him. He reigns today as the Prince of Peace. You're in Christ, you're in him. Therefore, you can be at peace. You can be at rest. You can be at peace because I'm in Jesus. I'm, and my fruitfulness is going to come from that rest. My fruitfulness is going to come. Jesus said, abide in the vine, rest in the vine. And as you rest in that, as you rest in God, fruitfulness is going to come out of you because it's my fruitfulness, Jesus says. Are you righteous this morning? Oh, I don't know if I've done anything bad in the last half an hour apart from which Jeremy would shut up quicker, um, and that's not necessarily bad. 
I didn't ask you whether you've done any sin. I asked you, are you righteous? Because this is true. Once we are in Christ, we are forever righteous. We're forever clean. Jesus said, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken over you. And there's a cleansing. There's a cleaning. We celebrated baptism today. Nazia, she got baptised. She celebrated that her sins had been washed away. And she's now forever clean. You are this morning, whether you think you've committed sin or not, if you're a Christian, that sin has already been washed away. Now, the Bible says you could just come and know that forgiveness afresh. You can just come and know that knowledge. You can come and know that you're clean, know that you're forgiven afresh. But it's because you're in Christ, you're in the vine. So your fruitfulness comes from being in Jesus. Are you loved this morning? Of course you are, because you're in Christ. And Jesus is the darling of heaven. When Jesus got baptised, heaven spoke. It was like heaven speaking from the balconies this morning. But heaven spoke when Jesus was baptised, said, This is my beloved Son, in him, in whom I'm well pleased. Now actually, that can be spoken over you today. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. God is pleased with you. He loves you. Why? Because you're in Christ. You're in the vine. And therefore, God is going to produce fruit in you. You are going to be fruitful because you're in the vine. Because Jesus is fruitful. And I just believe God wants to promise us new fruit he wants to pr promise us fruit in our communities where we live. He wants to promise us fruit in our workplace. He wants to promise us fruit in our evangelism. He wants to promise us fruit. He wants to see fruitfulness in us because that's what he's going to be producing in us as a body. Because we're in Christ, the promise of God over City Church Sheffield is fruitfulness. We're going to spread out to the left and the right. We heard that read out today. We're going to see growth. We're going to see breakthroughs. Why? Because he's faithful and we're in him and he's promising us fruitfulness today. It says in that verse, this vine is planted near living water. Bubbling water is the word. And it brings me to my fifth F, if you're following. And it's filling Okay, we're getting there. Filling. Interesting what Nazi said this morning. It was the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on her and filled her afresh. And God wants us to remember that we are a people of the Spirit. God wants us to remember that primarily this is who we are as the family of God. We're the Spirit-filled community. And as we bring this meeting to an end, we want opportunity just to pray with people afresh to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the filling of the Holy Spirit isn't just an optional extra. It's like if you buy a car, you know, you could have it with air conditioning or not. If you buy a car, you could have it. But no, this is like having a car with an engine. It's like not an optional extra. It's kind of important for the car. It's kind of necessary for the car. It needs an engine. And the engine of the Christian life, what gives the Christian life momentum and power and authority is the filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus said, when the Spirit comes on you, you're going to be my witnesses. Up to that point, they hadn't been very good at witnessing. Look at Peter. I mean, Peter is given 
like divine, three divine appointments in a row. He's given three great opportunities to witness for Jesus. Oh, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? No, don't know him. Oh, I think I've seen you before. No, no, I don't know. Haven't you got a northern accent? Oh, no, 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 I haven't got a northern accent at all. You know, he kind of, he denies him three times. Later, Peter stands up publicly in front of thousands of people and proclaims boldly, Jesus is the Christ. What had happened in between those two things? Yes, Jesus had died, but even so, the disciples were still hidden away in an upper room. What happened, the defining moment that happened, was the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Spirit. And from that point, there was new boldness, new authority, new power. Something happened in them that made them mobile and made them give, they gave them momentum to push them out. That's where this fruitfulness came from. It came from the filling of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to come on us again. He wants to come on our children. So I think that's something we forget. This is not... When Peter preaches, he says, this Jesus who you crucified, God's made him Lord and Christ. He's raised him from the dead. And this Jesus who you crucified, now he's raised to life, has poured out the Holy Spirit. And this is for you, your children, and all who are afar off. Now, if you'd said to Peter, Peter... We're living 2,000 years later, 2,000 miles away. He'd say, wow, that's pretty far off. <laughs> We're pretty far off, but it's for us. But it's for our children as well. This is a family filling with the Holy Spirit. It's not just for adults. It's not just for those who are mature and grown up and experienced. Actually, you get mature and grown up and experienced by being filled with the Holy Spirit. You get to walk in the works of God. You get to be fruitful. How? By being filled with the powerful Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we get used to a status quo. We get used to the fact that we're a lively church. We sing, we clap, we put our hands in the air. We might occasionally use a spiritual gift. And we kind of get lulled into thinking we're a spirit-filled community. I just want to ask you, when was the last time that you received the Holy Spirit? When you were filled afresh with the Holy Spirit? Because Paul would imply it's supposed to be a regular occurrence for us. He talks in Ephesians about be being filled with the Spirit. Keep, don't get drunk, but be, be filled. Be being filled. Keep on being filled. Keep on receiving the Holy Spirit. Because if we're going to be fruitful, you see, if you cut the life off a branch, if you stop the sap flowing up, that branch isn't become fruitful. The reason it becomes fruitful is the life, the sap, the life energy flows up and flows through. And God wants his sap, his life energy, his powerful Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh and to bring this fruitfulness into play in our lives, which brings me to the last F, and I'll close on this one, and then we'll pray for some people if there's time. Freedom. Joseph is a fruitful vine, planted by this bubbling brook, this bubbling spring, whose branches go over the wall. There might be walls in your life, there might be things that oppose you. There might be things that you feel restrict you. There might be things that you feel hem you in. There might be things that you feel you can't break free from. But I believe God 
is speaking to us here in Sheffield about being a people of freedom. And this very building was named the Jubilee Centre, not because it's a nice name, not because it's a kind of mean celebration or longevity, but in the Old Testament, every 50 years, there was a year of Jubilee. And at the year of Jubilee, everything went free. This is what it says in Isaiah 61 about the year of Jubilee. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour or the jubilee year. Dear friends, this is our fruitfulness, that we are to be those who live in and declare freedom. Now maybe you need to live in some freedom. Maybe you don't realise the freedom that you have. There was once a prison in Canada that was going through some modification, some DIY, kind of new wings being added to this prison. And this prison was known as an impenetrable prison. This prison was known as one you cannot escape from. There's no way that you could get out of this prison. And therefore nobody tried, nobody did. When they did the DIY, when they added some new wings onto it, they found that several of the walls that had been repaired in Victorian times were actually made not of stone, but of papier-mâché. <laughs> and the truth was this. The prisoners could have got out at any time if they'd only known. Listen, the enemy sometimes puts walls up in our lives that look impenetrable. It's looked like we're hemmed in, it looks like, but actually God's going to give us fruit over the walls and sometimes fruit through the walls. I saw a wildlife program years ago and it was about this shark, these sharks in a tank, a big tank. And what they found was they put this like perspex, what is that perspex, is that what you call it? Perspex screen in between the shark on one side of the tank and fish in the other side of the tank. And what they would do is the shark would see the fish and then he would rush to the fish and bang, hit the perspex and give himself a bit of a headache. They do that several times and even sharks aren't that stupid. Then they thought, let's have a little experiment here. Let's take out the perspex barrier and just see what happens. Do you know what happened? Nothing. The shark had become conditioned that that's the only space it could move in. It didn't move in to get the fish. Listen, God has done something miraculous in our lives. He's taken away barriers. He's taken away sin. He's taken away things that bound us and restricted us. We are free now to break out of prisons. We're free now to press in and to get that which God has called us to get and to take hold of. There's a new freedom. There's a new liberty. This scripture talks about those who are broken and captive and prisoners. They're going to be healed up, bound up, released, brought freedom to. And God is promising us new freedom in this church. I want to prophesy over Ginny that God's calling Ginny to be a tr like, a, a, like a trumpet sound in this, like, a, like a, a, a new sense of blowing a freedom trumpet. On the 50th year, they would blow a trumpet and it would be the silver trumpet of Jubilee. And I believe God is going to call a silver trumpet of Jubilee to be sounded from this place and many are going to get set free. 
There's many people who've been bound in our, in our societies. Many people have been restricted. There's fears. There's oppression. There's things that have come upon people where they're boxed in. And God is actually going to bring freedom to us and freedom to the people. And do you know what? God wants us to model it ourselves. God wants us to be those who walk in it ourselves. God wants to be those, us, who because we have found freedom, we can demonstrate freedom to others. And I believe there's an army of freedom fighters who are going to be raised up in this place. There's going to be an army of people who know what it is to see the captives set free. So, who are we? Well, we're friends. We're family. We're those a people of faith. We're a people who are going to be fruitful. Why? Because we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're going to be proclaiming freedom to ourselves and to the captives.